back to the Six Rad Culture Podcast. Once again, joined by Danny. Danny, what's going on, bro? Good. How about you, brother? Um, I've been. I could be better based off the result, but uh, you know what can you do? I got to roll the punches, and uh, it's not something that's foreign as a Roma fan. I'm used to being disappointed in these big games, so what can you do? But uh, we'll get into that one a little later on. Uh, Francesca will not be with us this episode, unfortunately. He's got some things to handle. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, times are busy, so uh, whoever's available is just going to hop in here and talk about Calcio. So whoever's not, can't, and whatever. I guess we'll wait for ne- next week to hear Francesca. I know we really wanted to talk about Roma Juve, but uh, we'll be without him for this one. So quickly recap, we had some great games. Obviously, not with some Yeah, We had uh, Petania, probably scored like a... You call it an overhead kick? It was like a I would strange call it like a, version. Yeah. Like kind of like yeah. a half scissor <laughs> kick, half like... Uh, we'll half call it the, the Petania kick. The Petania special, yeah. Yeah, invented his own. I think that was the slowest overhead kick or whatever it was I've ever seen. It was like slow motion. We'll call it Air Petania. Yeah, Air Petania. It was a nice goal. Uh, we had Atalanta absolutely decimate Udinese. Milan Venezia was even close. And obviously at Roma Juve. Inter Lazio was a great game. Uh, you know, I think uh, Bastoni was the biggest uh, star in that one, in my opinion, but obviously we'll get into that later on. Uh, we still haven't talked about Insignia to Toronto FC, which I'm sure Dan is feeling mixed emotions, and he'll get into that one later on. Uh, the unfortunate news of Chiesa's ACL tear, which is really heartbreaking, not only for Juventus, but for, you know, Italy fans, because, uh, you know, it's, we really need him for the zero qualifier match. Well, not match, matches, and the World Cup as well. If we do make the World Cup, I'm sure he'll be back by then. I could be wrong, though. You never know how these ACL tear recoveries really go. You know, they could take longer than expected. They could be quicker than expected. We don't know, but uh, wishing him the best, and uh, yeah, hopefully he recovers quick, but we'll get into that later on as well. And, yeah, just a lot of great stuff happened this weekend, uh, entertaining stuff, big talking points, and I guess we'll start off here quickly with I guess we'll start with some early games in the day. We had Milan-Venezia. Uh, that was a 6.30 a.m. game for us, so I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I watched the second half with one eye open. Uh, I was very tired. <laughs> but, uh yeah, Milan handled business. Ibrahimovic back in the score sheet. Uh, he almost got one against Roma, but missed the penalty. But he, he also created an incredible goal for Leal off the chest uh, in the Roma game. So, yeah, Ibra is Ibra. He'll do what he has to do. Teo Hernandez bagged two goals. Uh, yeah, it just there's nothing much to say about Teo. We all know how good he is. And when he's on his day, he's probably one of the best fullbacks in Europe. This guy's just incredible at times. Defensively, we all know his struggles. But uh, going forward, he's just something else. He's up there with the legs of Cancelo, Hakimi. Uh, I don't know if you disagree, Dan, but I think going forward-wise, he's, uh, yeah. he's up on, there no, with I them. Agree. Uh, attackingly, yeah, one of the best probably in Europe, maybe the best in Italy uh, going forward. Uh, defensively, not really a strong suit. He tends to struggle a lot when it comes to defending, and uh, that's the one flaw he has in this game, but his attacking makes up for it big time. Yeah, definitely well said. Yeah, he back too, like I said, and yeah, it was a straightforward match for Milan, uh, a team that is very riddled by injuries and COVID and all this stuff, but uh, seems like they're coming back together now. Ibra Zebra, you know, he can either be out for a month or when he's in, he's scoring goals left, right, and center. He's, you know, he's, he's a wild card Ibra, but when he's healthy, he's healthy and he does really well. So, 
Yeah, credit to Milan, big win, and it seems like they're making one last push for Scudetto. Obviously, it'll be tough with Inter being red hot right now, but you never know. They got a good team. Uh, well, I wouldn't say individually, but as a team, they play really well together, and they got some talent, and you never know what can happen. You know, instead, yeah, this year is unpredictable. So, yeah, credit to Milan, big win over Venezia. Uh, a big shock to me, then, I'm sure you were shocked as well. We talked about it a little bit before the pod started. Uh, Torino and Fiorentina. Yeah. Fiorentina has been red hot, like... I know I just call it a red hot, but Fiorentina's another team that has been pretty hot this season. Um, it's not like some record that's going to, you know, blow out the water, you know, eight losses, but still, uh, they've looked really good. Uh, we've seen in past years, like, I know, I feel like me and Dan, every year when we preview the season, we say, oh, uh, Fiorentina's a really good team. They've got a lot of good players, but they never actually play good together. I think, like, we always say that. But uh, this year, they're actually doing pretty well. Uh, it helps when you have someone like Valovic who's scoring goals every game. Uh, that kid is just something else, and you you guys all know how much we rate him. And yeah, to see Torino completely dismantle Fiorentina like that, uh, I did not see it coming. And it's not like it was some kind of a how, how do I put it into words like some masterclass or something like they just they were very clinical and. Uh, it's not like something like, oh, Torino had like 80% possession or 70% possession and dominated and, uh, Fiorentina really couldn't do much. Uh, Fiorentina really struggled to find a back in the net and Torino just so clinical. It kind of reminded me of Roma Atalanta where although Atalanta wasn't completely dominated as in possession and shots and attempts on goal and all that, uh, they still just couldn't score and that's kind of what it felt like for Fiorentina. I feel like Torino just did the Roma approach and, you know, they capitalized when they had a chance. And that's all you need sometimes in football. Uh, but Acabo, who is a very talented player, he scored two in this match. And I believe he's on loan from Wolfsburg. Yeah, um, he was on loan from Wolfsburg. Uh, there were reports in the summer, like teams, a few teams in the Serie A were interested in him. Uh, Napoli were one of them. Like, we're linked to everyone in the world, so I'm not surprised. Uh, I remember when Torino got him, I was a little surprised. <laughs> Because um, it, it's actually like for them, it's a big signing because he's a talented player. He's only 23 years old, so he's got a lot of um, room to grow, and he's got a lot of football to play. And he's always been a talented player that he's just missing that one thing, and that's just finishing. Uh, he's good at creating chances, and in this game, he got two uh, goals. So it seems like his finishing might be a little bit better this year. He's been one of Torino's best players overall in the season. And one thing I'm surprised about too, it's they're doing it without Bolotti too. And uh, there's reports that Toronto FC could be interested in Bolotti, but that's a different uh, topic uh, we can talk about later on. But just the fact that there's a lot of like news and rumors around their quote-unquote captain of the club uh, and them bagging in four goals against a very tough uh, Fiorentina side shows that uh, Torino, when they can play and if they can play up to their standards, that they have some quality in their side. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, Torino, like, they're kind of similar to Fiorentina. They've always had a decent team. I wouldn't say they've had a great team. Uh, maybe lately their team has been a little worse, uh, individually than, you know, in the past. In the past, they had some pretty good players. Uh, Rincon at Torino was pretty solid, uh, for, you know, a club of this yeah. level. Um, but yeah, they've had some great players. But uh, Belotti being gone, I think it's a good thing because they're going to be without him next season. It doesn't look like he's going to resign. And if I'm Torino, honestly, I would just bench Belotti the rest of the year, not because uh, he's not a good player or whatever. I just feel like if you want to get ready for the post-Belotti era, 
they might as well just start now, you know, playing these young guys and let them get ready for when Belotti yeah. won't be here. I know it's going to be hard because he is a Torino legend. You know, you don't want to treat him like that. You don't want to just throw him to the side, but it depends. Maybe they can feature him towards the end of the season so it gets that farewell and, you know, can walk around the stadium or do what he has to do to say bye to Torino fans. But I don't know. If I'm Torino, you can't just attach emotions to business. You know, if he's gone and he decides to leave, then you got to move on. You just got to start starting these guys that you think will be here for the long term. And uh, Belotti is clearly not a part of that. So, yeah, it's, it's good to see them not need to rely on Belotti all the time like they have in the past. And uh, credit to them. They've had a, I wouldn't say a great year, but a decent year under Juric. And, uh, yeah, just credit to Torino and hopefully they keep it up. Yeah, and uh, shout out to uh, the goalie too for Torino. I think I believe this was his first game of the year, and he got a clean sheet against uh, Fiorentina. Yeah, credit to Jamelo. He uh, he did well, and uh, yeah, credit to him. Torino has some nice young pieces. I think he's twenty one. From in, I believe, yeah, twenty twenty one. Yeah, he's a young kid, and uh, he did well in this match. And, you know, he's not the tallest of keepers. I think he's six foot, which isn't short by any means. Not like I'm talking about Cranio here. But, uh, you know, he's a decent size for a keeper. You know, usually you see a keeper that's like six four, uh, six three, but his reflexes yeah. are great. And, uh, he did well to get a clean sheet against Fiorentina. So yeah, credit to him. And, you know, like I've been saying, Torino's, uh, they're team to watch out for in the future. But also if Cairo in charge, uh, you know, that guy, uh, he's kind of stubborn. He lets players go. Or he'll hold on to Belotti for too long, for example. You know, he's worth $100 million and now he's going for free. So I think uh, they got some work to do in the office rather than the pitch. I feel like that's probably the biggest downfall. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, big win for Torino. Now, going into uh, some of the crazier matchups here. Uh, Napoli-Santoria. We all know Napoli shorthanded at the moment. Uh, Kulibali, Hossiman, like, losing guys like this, it's not going to be easy for a team. Uh, Insignia, who even though he's healthy, you know, when he just come back from COVID, it's not really easy to play a professional football match. And Ronald, and uh, we all know how much Insignia runs. His position involves a lot of running. So um, even though he's there, he's not 100%. And uh, yeah, just well, all not players anymore. Who, like, not anymore. Uh, there was the report came out today that uh, he might be out two to three weeks with uh, wow. uh, ab- abnormal. Uh, Abductor injury, so like kind of like close, close to the growing. I thought it was the growing at one point. Uh, so he'll probably miss two to three weeks, and then we'll see when he comes back. I wouldn't rush him back. I think we already did rush him back a little too early uh, when he came back. Then he got COVID, and he's had it's been a tough season. Yeah, he's got a tough season, and that's that's why another factor too. I think he went to MLS. Uh, I'll get more into that when we talk about it. I just don't think he's. Fitness-wise, he's at the level he wants to be, and I feel like he thinks he probably thinks that he's uh, going downhill when it comes to being healthy and stuff. So we'll see what uh, the future holds for him. But yeah, no, it's, he's not healthy now, but hopefully he can come back um, maybe in about three or four weeks uh, if we can just not rush him back because he's going to be a big factor for us. Uh, in the closing stages of the season, and we need all these guys to be as healthy as they can. Yeah, yeah, well said. And, yeah, I guess I'll give the floor to you, Dan. I just want to say quickly, yeah. I thought Mertens looked really good this game. He traded a lot. And uh, ever since he's come back, uh, he's looked really good. And we all know how good Mertens is. We've seen in the past. He's not his top goal scorer for a reason. But I thought he did a good job of creating this match. And, 
yeah, it's just a really good player overall. And uh, yeah, that take the floor. What did you think about the match? Yeah, no, it was uh, for me. It was one a very good match, uh, especially with the guys that we were missing. Uh, I want to just give a quick shout out to Gulam. Back to back games now, he's putting a good effort, a uh, good shift. Um, it's good to see that he's healthy. Uh, he's trying to get back to the for- kind of get back to the form that he was uh, prior to the ACL injuries. Um, obviously, he's not going to be the same player but he was maybe around, I want to say, three years ago. But it seems like he's he's getting there. He's maybe 65, 70% there. Um, I don't think he'll reach that level, but he's, he's been play, playing well these uh, last few games. Uh, I just want to continue to be impressed. I'm continuing to be impressed with uh, the pairing of Ramani and Jesus. Um, ever since kind of the Atalanta game, I want to say defensively, we haven't looked too bad. Uh, Jesus and Ramani continue to play well, and that's a very good thing for us. Um, our holding midfield this game was really good with uh, Devin Laboka. Uh, Laboka, for me, he's been maybe one of the most underrated uh, Napoli players this season. He's been very good. I remember in the Gattuso, he was kind of like you could say in the doghouse. He didn't, he didn't look in the best shape, but even in the summer, too, when I seen him playing these uh, preseason friendlies and, and training, um, I said to myself, I'm like, oh, he looks like he's in better shape now than he was uh, prior. So the Euros kind of helped him, too. And he seems like he's been playing uh, really well. He's been playing really well. He's probably been one of our best midfielders of the season. I want to argue he's probably been maybe a top four midfielder for us. Out of all the guys, he's been one of our best ones. Uh, and one of them that I've been really impressed with. Um, it sucks that Insigne had to leave the game early. Um, he, him and Gulam early on were linking up really well. Probably the best players on the pitch at the time. But Politano came into the match. Uh, he did well. Elmas put in a good shift. Uh, Mertens. It's Mertens, uh, I expect, 8 out of 10 from every game, and that's what he gave me. He gave me an 8 out of 10. Uh, but the one player I was really impressed with, and surprisingly, I was impressed with Petania, uh besides the goal. Uh, he did a lot of good things this game. He was linking up with the players well. Uh, he was dribbling like he was like Zendane uh, this game. Uh, he scored that beautiful goal as well. So for me, Petania, that was a very good game for him. Hopefully... Now against uh, Fiorentina, he can continue to perform. Um, if Osimhen is not fit enough, which I think he won't be, I think they said maybe by the Bologna match on the weekend. So I can see Patania starting again. Uh, this guy continues to play well. If this guy can start uh, scoring goals and he starts getting into form, we could be a dangerous team even without Osimhen. Uh, hopefully, uh, Mertens can continue to play well. We're going to need him to be big. And uh, even on Gulam's side, hopefully he can just stay healthy enough until Rui comes back and then they can go 50-50 or if Rui's going to go probably go be the starter. But uh, I've been impressed with the team uh, as of late, even like against the draw against Juventus. So it was a tough draw on the road. Uh, and, we could, and it shows that Juve are a tough side to beat. Uh, they don't give up. So a point at the, in Turin is something I'm satisfied with. And especially this match now against the uh, Sampdoria, we played well in every aspect of the pitch. Uh, we just need to continue to play well, continue to uh, get the three points, and uh, we have a tough match on first against Fiorentina for the Coppa Italia. So hopefully we can uh, win that one and then focus on Bologna on the weekend. Yeah, I know that. And a great breakdown. And I was thinking about something during the game. You know, we've seen Insignia miss a lot of time. We've seen Koulibaly miss a lot of time. We've seen Mertens miss a lot of time. We've seen a lot of players miss a lot of time for Napoli. Who would you say is Napoli's most important player? For me, uh, I would say Koulibaly uh, in a show that first game. 
He's just he does everything. He's a wall. He, he you can't get by. Like there's a lot of times, like nine out of ten times, like you can't get by him. And that odd time you get by him, it's just like oh my god, like he got beat. So for me, I would say Koulibaly's uh probably the most important player for us. Um, then maybe you can argue uh, Insigne, but this season he hasn't played up to his standards. Uh, last season I would agree, maybe the debate there was even Insigne and uh, Koulibaly. But this year I would say even Fabio Ruiz uh, in the midfield. There was some there's sometimes where we lacked that creativity, but now Fabian's back. Um, I feel like we'll be okay. Uh, Zelinski too, uh, when he misses, uh, midfield's not the same. But for me, it's Koulibaly, no doubt. He's, I think he, he should be the captain next season. I think they'll give him the captain's armband. The guy's just a leader, a very good player to have, a very good presence to have in, in the locker room, and a very good person to have outside the locker room as well. So for me, Koulibaly is the most important player that uh, Napoli have. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, last season, we saw how good Insignia was, uh, especially that first half of the season. He was looking like, uh, might be one of the best Insignias we've seen. I don't know if you agree with that, but he looked really yeah. good. Last season, uh, I, I will agree. He was probably the best in all aspects, uh, besides, obviously, he scored a lot of penalties, but just every aspect of the of the pitch, he was yeah, he the best play Yeah, he was probably the best Insignia I, was, I can recall, like, since the Saudi days, too, like, early Saudi days. Yeah, he looked really good under Gattuso, and I um, mean, this season, even in the Euros, we've seen kind of a different Insignia. I don't know if it's injuries. I don't think it's age because thirty years old is not no, old at all. I think I think it's more like fitness too, because um, in the documentary too, uh, the one that they posted, like they showed on Netflix, I think it was all dry too. In the clip in the documentary, you see Insignia on the bike, and he was holding his cap, which. That was the same, uh, like the same, like I believe it was his hamstring, maybe around this hamstring area. That was the same uh, problem he had heading into the tournament and he had uh, throughout the year. So who knows if that might be bothering him or like he he might not, he wasn't, who knows if he was 100% or in the tournament. Who knows if he's, obviously now he's not 100%, but who knows if he was 100% uh, coming back from the injury, coming back from COVID. So might be just uh, a physical thing. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I just he's physically doesn't seem right, and you know that can't happen when you play so many games. Like if you look at last season, and then the Euros went all the way, and then the qualifiers you have to play for the World Cup, and then not it's, it's a lot of games. You know the Champions yeah. League, like Nations League these, too. Yeah, Nations little, League, like, like friendlies and stuff. These players, like the Italians, uh, the English, went all the way to the Euro final, and then all these other games for club. Like it's a lot of games, and. Uh, now even this summer, you know, Insignia is going to Toronto FC, and I guess we'll get into that uh, topic next. Uh, Insignia moving to Toronto, and he's only going to have maybe June off, and then July, you know, he's going to start playing in MLS. So this guy does not have a lot of time off. It's very difficult. Uh, you know, we've seen guys like uh, Pedri, if you guys are aware who he is, he's a player for Barcelona, and he played one of the most matches in uh, Europe, which he is young, so, you know, he's probably more used to it and stuff. But also, it's also a downfall because... Uh, this kid, like, he looked dead. Like, if you look at a picture yeah. of him at the beginning of the year and then after, he had, like, bags under his eyes. He looked like he aged 10 years. Like, you know, culture isn't an easy sport to play. And he's, yeah, and he's just recovering from an injury now. Uh, I think he yeah. might be back soon. So, good for, like, very good for him. He's very good a very good player. It's just, he, I think he played. It's a hard sport. To, 
I think he played close to 75 games. Like, he played a lot. He, like, they, there was a stat, yeah, there was a stat where he was averaging a game every three and a half to four days. Yeah, that's insane. He went from the Euros, yeah, he went from the Euros to play in the Olympics, too, which is another competitive yeah. uh, tournament, too, when it came to uh, cultural. Uh, all this travel and, you know, <laughs> playing the sport, there's a lot of ground to cover, and you're playing outside under the sun. Like, it's very tiring, and uh, it's very impressive. So, yeah, I feel like that probably affected Insignia as well. But then he's going to Toronto. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we've talked about it in the podcast couple times like when the rumors first came out um me personally i'm not shocked you know i had a feeling he wouldn't depart in the summer him and adl looked like they had some disagreements on um how much he thought he was worth and how much adl thought he was worth you know pretty vast difference i saw i think adl offered insignia less money than he was already making which is less money with close to no bonuses too like it was just a that's ridiculous kind of, offer. That's yeah, that's like spitting in his face for all he's done for the club. Uh, he's not worth six mil. What was Insignia asking for then? It you seems clo- asking close to maybe like six and a half, six mil to six and a half. I yeah. would have personally went halfway. I would have went, okay, you know what? Insignia, I would have given him four or five. Cur- currently, I think he's making four and a half, I want to say. Four and a half? Okay, that's fair. Close to like five. Or, uh, I, like, I'm not too familiar with that like, situation, but... I know he's making more than three and a half. That's a guaranteed. I would give him five and a half for two years just to say, you know what? Let him make some money now. Then when he becomes 32, 33, you can let him go because that's a, that, that's a fair age that I would be like, okay, you know what? That's a fair age. He wants to leave, wants to cash out before he retires. And then he can go to the MLS and make whatever he but who knows what goes on behind the scenes? And like you said too, like they didn't look like they were having, uh, they didn't have an agreement uh, when it came to signing. And TFC called Bill Manning, got on the phone, said, "You know what?" Well, he said in his interview, he went on the site I use <laughs> when I went to go <laughs> get some players. He yeah. goes, "Okay, let's see, Italy won the Euros. Okay, oh, Insigne's um, contract's expiring." Let's give Napoli a call. Him and AD, him and the ADL don't uh, are having a disagreement. TFC came in. Listen, we'll give you. I think he's making close to sixty million or something. Like it's crazy in five years, he's making like fifteen a year or something. Signs of Toronto. It's a good good money move. He's cashing out. Like he's making a lot of money, supporting his family, coming to a new place, new culture. And uh, he's, yeah, he's, it's it feels it doesn't feel real at the moment he signed. When I saw the Romano tweet that Insigne was close to signing with TFC, I go, "There's no way. This is just a a scheme so ADL can bite and Insigne gets five and a half million. Then the announcement came out that Insigne done deal. I, I was I, w- I didn't believe it still, and it, it didn't hit me until I saw him say all for one. Then it's like. Holy shit, he's actually coming to Toronto. Like, it's crazy. Oh, that was great hearing him speak, speak English as well. All of the one. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it's yeah, um, crazy. It's shocking. And, and, you know, it must hurt Napoli fans as well because he's only 30 years old. It's not like he's 33. And I really thought he was going to retire at Napoli, maybe sign a shorter extension worth more money now, and then maybe sign again for Napoli, but cheaper, maybe like two and a half mil or two million. And, um, you know, it, it's sad. But also, if you're looking at Insignia's point of view, you know, a team you gave all this effort and love to for all these years offers you 
less well, money. And so in your eyes, you're like, okay, I'm not, you know, like that's disrespectful. I, I feel disrespected by that. And then you got this team in a different country where, like, I think he spoke about to, I could be wrong, maybe La Gazzetta, another source in Italy, and he was saying how um, he wants his kids to learn how to speak English and, you know, to learn a different culture. And, you know, I think Jovinko mentioned the same thing when he came here. And yeah. if you're looking at that point of view, you know, he did what he had to do for Napoli. Uh, obviously, he didn't want the Scudetto, but he still won a couple of Coppa Italias, a couple of them. And, uh, you know, he's getting offered this crazy money, triple, maybe even quadruple his salary, depending on, uh, you know, the bonus yeah, if he hits them. It was close to triple his salary. Like yeah, this. that's insane. And he has that opportunity. He can move to a different country. And there's a lot of Italians here. I believe Bill Manning uh, spoke to Insigne, and he said one of my biggest selling points to him was that there's a big Italian community here, Italian-Canadian community here, and he's going to get love. I can tell you that. You know, me and Dan are both from Toronto, and we know how many Italians are here. The airport is going to get bombarded. He's going to feel the love. And, yeah, if you're in senior, you can't blame him. I know some Napoli fans are saying, oh, like, I saw I saw some interview on YouTube. Some guy went around Naples, and he was asking them, oh, what do you think about Insignia? They're all saying, oh, you kiss her a badge, and now you're kissing your wallet. Like, you, you can't blame him. Like, put yourself in his shoes if you're working for someone. It takes, and, it takes uh, what's the saying? It takes two to dance. Yeah, it, yeah, it takes two to tango. I know two to tango. There we go. That's the thing. It, like, for me, Obviously, yeah, I would love. Like, I'm very like deep down, I'm sad that Insigne's leaving. Uh, he's my favorite pl- personally. He's my favorite player on Napoli. Uh, and I have both my wallpapers are are him. Uh, and he's the capitano. He's my capitano. Yeah. But it doesn't. It stings less that I know he's joining Toronto, and I get to see him. Hopefully, God willing, all four years he's here. Uh. And also to experience him live with the Napoli Club of Toronto because we're hopefully we can get good to go to games together. And just that took a lesser thing. And I'm happy he's joining Toronto. I have all the teams. I'm happy he's leaving Europe. Like fans got to realize he's not joining another Italian team. He's not joining the middle. Like he's not joining the Middle East where he obviously he make he's making a lot more. He'll make a lot more money in the Middle East. And there's also, too, like Jovinko said, too, in the interview, uh, I think he did with, I can't remember the interview. I think it was Sky, maybe? I think, uh, I think Sport Italia. Sport Italia. One of the, like, he said that the Middle East, they didn't give him a break in the way he was in, or in Saudi Arabia. They said he had to do this. He had to do that. And he would get home. He would, he'd be tired. And they'd be like, oh, by the way, you have to do a shoot tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Oh, but I have practice at 8. Okay, you do the shoot, then you can go to practice. Like, he was doing a lot of things that he... Never did in Italy. He never did in Toronto. And and in senior here too, obviously they're gonna probably use him a lot more for advertising. He's part he's you can argue and he's maybe in the top ten of athletes come to Toronto. Like in Toronto, like that ever came. You can like some like that who drafted. Like signing wise, yeah. He could be top ten, like just the name and stuff. And Definitely. so obviously there's gonna be people around uh Toronto talking about him. Like soccer fans, obviously, but even some of the Raptors. Uh, I think Siakam tweeted at him. Mavinga yeah. on TFC tweeted Vinga. at him. Uh, Armero John Torrey even tweeted at him saying, Welcome. Pizza Pizza used him in an advertisement, even though I'm 90% sure he's not going to eat Pizza Pizza. But yeah, 100%. It's, still good. It's, a good, it's a good marketing <laughs> thing. Um, 
I know guys like, say, David Rocco, he's going to probably be excited that he's coming. The Napa Cup, obviously, we're very excited that he's coming. Uh, please, uh, this is a miracle. We're, we're going to try to ask him to come to a meet, but that's going to be hard. But I think we'll try. We can try and we'll see. But, yeah, no, it's it's a lot of – it's good opportunity, too, because in Canada, the sport's growing. And sign, bringing a guy like Insigne to Toronto, especially because where Jovinko is here, the market for uh, MLS and TFC was skyrocketing. When TFC were in the finals, the whole – it was the talk of the town. And bringing a guy in like Insigne, that's bringing back the market that TFC – like that TFC are used to when they were – doing well when they were going to these finals when they were in the playoffs so the Italian market's gonna be huge for MLS uh, in especially in Canada and who knows this move can see more players like come to uh, come to the MLS and that lead in the league it's gonna be more exposure and it's gonna be growing as well because there's a lot of talent that are coming to MLS uh, uh, the example uh, Thiago Almada who's a very talented player he was highly rated in Argentina Signed for Atlanta. So we're seeing a lot more players who are talented. Instead of going to Europe, they're coming to MLS, developing their game, and then moving to Europe, such as uh, Buchanan, who moved to Club Brugge, and uh, Richard Larea, who just moved to Nottingham Forest. So MLS, they're slowly getting up there to where they want to be, where they want to say, you know what, we can compete with some of these teams, like some of these leagues in Europe. And I can see maybe in the next four or five years, a lot more players coming to MLS, uh, making good money, playing well, and uh, growing the league into where MLS wants them to be. And they want them to be on that European level. And I can see that potentially happening uh, soon. Yeah, no, well said then. Uh, it's great for MLS, great for TFC, it's great for Insignia. And yeah, obviously it's not for you. It's great for us. Do stuff. And I'm going to put this out there. Don't, uh, you know, I, I can't guarantee it, but I'm sure in seniors can do a couple of meeting grades. Uh, Jovinko did some when he came here. So I guarantee it will be at least like, at least three in this upcoming summer. I can almost guarantee that Jovinko did, I think five when he first came. And I'm going to try to approach him and ask for maybe like a five, 10 minute interview at the end of it. I can't promise it. Yeah, but, none uh, of this is problem. Like none of these are None of this is promise. Yeah. But like nothing it's possible. with the club. Like it's just. It's just an idea we have. Like it's just we'll try. Ideas. Yeah, I'll do my best. I'll bring him maybe some kind of panettone or some present so they make him smile and say, "Hey, Insignia, can we please get like a even a five minute interview with you quickly?" And hopefully in the summer we can have a Lorenzo Insignia interview on six side. I'll put subtitles for you know translate to English and I'll speak to him in Italian myself so uh, we don't have to worry about the language barrier. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get him on. We'll see. I think it's possible. I'm optimistic, but. Uh, it's certainly now easier to get him on because, you know, we can see him in person. And, uh, yeah, any meet and greet he does, we'll be there 100%. Me and Danny try and show up. Uh, we can't guarantee we'll get an interview, but uh, we'll try and, uh, you know, get some Insignia content going here. And even the airport, we'll try to make our way there when he first arrives. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. But, obviously, for Napoli fans, you know, they live in Naples. It's uh, it's heartbreaking. They're not going to have to watch yeah. him anymore. And, uh, I know, selfishly for us, it's great. But, uh you know, if you don't live here and you're an Apple fan, it, it is tough. And uh, it stays you know, a little bit. The they future is now. I'm guess yeah. I'm sure some pretty better player will get a chance or something. Hopefully, <laughs> like for me, I feel like it now's the time to just see what you have because I know in the summer they might look for someone, 
And these kids now, such as Kiofi, uh, Zerbin, who's on loan, uh, I don't think he's going to be the Insigne replacement. But just like these kids got to realize, okay, now Insigne is leaving. I'm going to step up my game. And I want to be, become that next Insigne. And even all the kids in our youth academies uh, from the ages of, say, 17 to, I believe, 9, like whatever that it goes up to, they see Insigne leaving. They got to use that as kind of like, you know what, let me be the next Insigne. Let me be the next uh, player to step up, be the captain of Napoli. So use that as motivation. And obviously, as a Napoli, I'm going to talk from a Napoli standpoint, it's sad that he's leaving because Insigne is easily maybe in the top 10, top 5 of best Napoli players to ever play. And yeah, you don't want to see him leave, on, especially for free. And who knows now with his physic, like physically, who knows if he's capable of competing in Europe still. Like he maybe he might see he's taking a step back and he says, you know what, I feel like I don't have much time. Maybe by the age, maybe after this contract, he's going to retire. So we really don't know what uh, Insigne thinks, what really happens behind the scenes. We just know what's being reported. And we all, the saying goes, can't trust anything you read on the internet until it's confirmed. So uh, I feel like this is a very good move from TFC and I give them a lot of credit, uh, give Bill Manning a lot of credit for pulling this off. This was easily one of the surprises of 2022, 2021. One of the most surprising moves in MLS history, a uh, surprising move in Napoli's history too, losing their captain to an MLS team. Never thought you would say that in uh, in your life, but it's happening. Uh, I'm excited to see him come in July. Hopefully he can lead TFC to an MLS championship because if he does, the city will start buzzing again for uh, MLS. Yeah, and like I said, we'll definitely have some content. We'll probably move on from this because I know we've been talking about it for a while. I have one hot take for Napoli, I think. Uh, I'll let you guess it then. Um, I think Napoli's going to sign. He's Italian. Okay. Um, he scored two goals this past weekend. Italian. He was part of the Euro team, the team that won the Euros. Okay, and a little so shorter. Raspadori? Yeah. I have a feeling. I know he's an Inter fan, like as a kid and all that. I have a feeling that Aspadori is going to end up on Napoli. That's just a feeling I have. Maybe in the summer I could clip this and post it. We don't know. Um, he's a different player than Insignia. But I just feel like Aspadori might be a Napoli player this summer. I'm see, just thinking of see, teams where he can end up. I can potentially see Baradi come. Like that, I can see happening. Uh, we're linked, for me, we're linked to this Colombian kid, uh, Senatera, I think his name is. I could be wrong. Uh, he plays for Feyenoord. So having a good season with them. Uh, but for me, personally, I, I just have this feeling. Julian Alvarez. Uh, what, that's a name to look out for if you guys are Napoli fans. Uh, he's being talked about by United. Uh, he's in Italy. I think his agent's in Italy talking to Inter, Fiorentina, and maybe another club as well. Uh, he's a right winger from River Plate. Uh, he's Argentinian. And he's a name I would look out for. And... Um, I would I would be very happy if uh, Napoli can land them, and uh, I feel like this kid's got potential to be a very good player in the future, and I feel like he could be uh, one that Napoli could look out for. So he's a name that uh, I would write down and say look out for him because I feel like this kid can uh, come to Napoli. 
Yeah, there we go. We got two predictions from me and Dan. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Raspadori for answering our question in, uh, yeah, in the Euros. He's a for me, he's a, yeah, he's a no, legend. Not like a legend, legend. But we're like, we're saying like legend for answering that. Yeah, yeah. six-eyed legend. <laughs> there he is. Yeah, we appreciate that, Aspa. And, uh, yeah, that ends our Encina Toronto talk. Obviously, it's a long one, but it's a big talking point and uh, a really big deal for, you know, Serie and Napoli to lose a player of that level. Now, moving on, Inter-Lazio. Uh, it was a very good game. I enjoyed it. Obviously, I enjoyed it even more because Inter won. I'm not, a you know, the biggest uh, Lazio fan out there, would you say that? But, uh, yeah, no, Bastoni, I think he sold the show, in my opinion. He yep, was 100%. incredible. This kid keeps getting better and better and better. Uh, at the Euros, obviously, we didn't see much of him. And uh, when we did, you know, he wasn't the best. But at the same time, he's still very young. How old is he exactly? I'm not uh, sure. I think 23. I 23, believe yeah. 23. yeah. He's still very young, especially for a center back. You know, center backs are kind of like goalkeepers. They don't really hit the prime till later on in their career. But uh, maybe not as old as goalkeepers do. But around 27, you normally see the best of a center back till then because... They still need to grow physically. It takes a while for that to happen. But, uh, yeah, Bastoni is a very intelligent player. He's strong. He's quick. Uh, he has technical ability that you don't see often from a center back. A little bit of Bonucci in him, like passing wise, even though Bonucci likes to, you know, send a lot of Hail Marys up the field uh, a little too much and it's very annoying to watch when he's uh, playing for the Azuri at times. But we also saw what Bonucci achieved with the Azuri. So hopefully Bastoni can get a, Another Euro when he's in his prime of the Azuri. But, uh, yeah, I think Stoney really sold the show for Inter. Uh, Inter looked great, as always. Um, they looked a little rusty. I guess you can say they didn't look as good as they did before the break, but that's normal. I think a lot of teams are still getting back into the swing of things. Uh, Brozovic, who I think agreed a new contract of Inter up to 2026. I could be wrong. But I saw he did renew his contract of Inter. Yeah. Uh, he's been great. And, you know, I think... You know, he is up there, one of the most important players on Inter Brozovic. He does a lot of things that kind of what De Rossi did for Roma. Obviously not to the level De Rossi did it, but he's in that kind of De Rossi role for Inter. And, uh, yeah, he's a very important player. Uh, Skriniar got a goal as well, and we all know how good Skriniar is. I'm very high on him. I really do believe he's one of the best center backs in Europe. I have him in my top five personally. I think he's great. And if he was on, you know, a team in the Prem or, Paris Saint-Germain or Bayern Munich yeah. or something. Everybody will talk about him. And, uh, you know, Perisic is another one. We saw, you know, I thought this guy was done like 10 times. Like, he's at Inter yeah. and then he leaves on loan. Uh, Wolfsburg. Especially when he went to, when he went to uh, Bayern. I thought Bayern, after, yeah. he was low, after he was loaned to Bayern, I thought that was a weird move too. I go, all right. I, yeah, I didn't expect that. I thought he was, he was going to come back and he was just finished, but he, no, he's Playing at a good level too, even with uh, Croatia, he scored some big goals for them. He's been playing; he put some good performances uh, for them. He's, it is very yeah, good. He, I think he's top top five for Inter. Like he, like important wise, like he 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 does a lot. Him and Brozovic, they do a lot that no one like. If you don't watch, you don't know. I just should say, um, you won't know. He, but they do a lot of dirty work. They do a lot of small things that help where they are. Yeah, and if you look at their bench, like they got a lot of depth. Like Ranocchia, who's been there for, uh, you know, since the dinosaurs were around. He's been there for a long time. But, uh, you know, he's always been a decent player for Inter to have. Uh, Dzeko, who wasn't at 100%. Yeah. Zambrosio. Zambrosio. Darmian, who's been great. Uh, Vidal. 
like uh, Vecino, who isn't uh, the best. Correa, who's a huge one off the bench. How's that guy off the bench? You know what I mean? Like they have Sanchez a very deep too. team. This guy used to, Sanchez, this guy, yeah, this guy from like maybe four, three, four years ago was one of the best players in football. Like he was up there, like in top twenty. Like he was performance wise, and uh, he's on the bench for Inter now. Yeah, they have a lot of players who would start on most of the top six teams, off, and they're coming off the bench. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Inter looked great. Lazio, they looked better than they usually do. They're a weird team because they either look amazing or terrible, and I thought they were somewhere in the middle this game. Uh, Pedro has been very good for Lazio this year, which, uh, you know, I did not expect that at all. Surprising. Uh, yeah, but I just think Lazio's biggest weakness is their defense. I believe they started Mauro Sitch, that I do, Luis Felipe and Hisai, who uh, I know Dan loves him. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, their defense is terrible. I'm surprised Inter didn't score more than they actually did. But um, you know, when you have Immobile, he's probably going to get one or one or two goals in every game. And uh, yeah, their attack looks good, but their defense, like kind of like a normal Saudi, to be honest, the attack looks Saudi. good, and the defense doesn't look uh, the best. But yeah, credit to Inter. I thought they did well. Dan, what do you think overall about this one? Yeah, no, it was a very important win for Inter. A very entertaining game uh, as a neutral back and forth game. But Bastoni, like uh, this guy, this could be a Bastoni uh, recap. Like that's how good he was uh, attacking me. That goal he scored, like as a defenseman, like holy shit, this is a center back scoring this goal. Uh, he put in that beautiful ball where Scanino header at home. Very good header, a very good ball by Bastoni. Uh, but yeah, no, Inter played well in every uh, part of the pitch. Uh, Lazio got that goal, but it wasn't enough. And it's going to be interesting, too, Ed, because you talked about defensively the game week. They're, you could say, the best defender. Our Turby's out for a month. So it's going to be weird to see um, if uh, they go with the back line, if they put Husay on the back, who knows? Because that guy, I don't know how Saudi likes him, but defensively as a liability, oh, he's a liability defensively. And it showed the, this year, too. He's not been as good as... Uh, defensively, but uh, get back to Inter, yeah, they just continue to find ways to win. Uh, this is why they were winter champions. I'm going to put, you could put good money on it that they're probably going to be uh, Scudetto winners at the end of the year. Uh, they just find ways to win. Uh, great, give credit to Inzaghi again for another uh, win. They've been performing well, especially without the guys like Lukaku, Hakimi. Um, they've been well. Like I know a few, I've had them written off coming in second, but I, I can say I was wrong. Uh, big time, they're playing well. Correa, this guy, they signed him. He's been very good for them. Jekyll, he's been scoring. Martinez, it's towards Martinez. Like He finds ways to uh, score and find ways to play well. They have a great midfield with Barella, Brozovic, uh, Perisic. Like they got a great core everywhere, and it seems like they're not slowing down, and uh, they're a scary team when they're clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, no, Dan, they're looking really good, and like Dan, I don't know who can beat these guys. Like obviously, maybe Napoli no. or Juve. See, like one of these teams with, can catch them, but I think the problem with Napoli, and it's it seems like it's been this problem ever since I started watching. Uh, some maybe it's just. Mentally, like they, it seems like Napoli, whenever they have a chance to leap in front and go first place, obviously they were in first place this year, 
but just to continue to play well at a high level, continue to get these big wins that you need. Seems like they don't. Or if they do get these big wins, the next week they lay an egg. And we've seen that this year with um, we won against Milan, then we lose to Spezia, then we lose to Empoli. The year we won against Juve, then we lose the next week to Fiorentina. I believe we won against Chievo, and then a couple of weeks later, we tied to Torino. So it's just winning after a big game. It's just not we need to be more consistent about that. And I think we can be, like, <clears throat> obviously, sorry, uh, any team can be any team in this league. I believe that 110%. And I believe when we're healthy, we can compete with Inter, we can compete with Milan, we can compete with any team and even win, find a way to win. It's just Inter, I feel like they're just too strong this year. And it helps that a lot of these guys were there last year. So they know how to win and they know how to Scudetto, win Scudetto. Uh, some of these guys won uh, the European champion with Bastoni and Varela. So they know how to win. Martinez, uh, and I believe Correa was on the team as well. They won the Copa America. So they're winners. Napoli really don't have that besides Insigne and Di Lorenzo. Uh, those are the only two winners of quote-unquote major trophies. Uh, so I feel like Napoli they just need to focus and they can do well against uh, these teams. But Inter, they're full of winners and uh, I feel like they're going to continue uh, to play strong and uh, be, be like that. I think they'll win the league and I think by the end of the year, who knows if they're going to win it by double digits or not. Yeah, uh, they are looking incredible. And maybe uh, mathematically it's still possible, but like I really don't see yeah. another team being able to well, anything's stop in possible there. Too. Like, anything's possible, who knows? Yeah. But I feel like this year, I think it's Inter Scudetto to lose and not yeah, Milan Scudetto to win and Napoli Scudetto to win. I think it's just Inter Scudetto to lose. If they lose, it's not because of uh, obviously it's because we the other teams are going to do their job, but the main thing is Interloss and not oh well this guy did this uh, Milan kept winning we just it's their fault at the end of the day they control their own destiny and if they lose the Scudetto it's on them it's not on the other teams yeah and I'd be shocked but yeah credit to uh, Inter and yeah Lazio didn't look too bad considering you know they're missing a chance to be at the back but uh, you know Inter once again did their job and they found a way to win and that's their best at and really that's all that matters at the end of the day in the Serie A and any other league and, uh, yeah, moving on now to a more depressing topic for myself, uh, Roma Juve. So I'm not sure, uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, uh, it's at pure underscore Romanista. Uh, you know, some of you see I'm very, I'm up and down. You know, I'm a realist. I don't, you know, I, I tell the truth and what I actually think. I don't, you know, go into a Juve game and say, oh, I think we're going to kill them. If that's not how I feel. I say how I feel going into a game, and I really felt like, Something embarrassing was going to happen. You can even go fact check me. Before the game, I said, uh, just embrace yourself for embarrassment. Like, I had a feeling something embarrassing was going to happen. And that's what happened, as usual. You know, I saw you down before this podcast. I was here after the 6 1 defeat to United last season on the podcast. I was here after a 6 1 defeat to Bodo Glimt. I was here after 3 nothing loss to Lazio. I was here, well, I'm here now after this embarrassing defeat. I, I've been here for a lot of embarrassments. And even the 4 nothing loss to Napoli last year. Uh, I've been through a lot as a fan. And that's just like the last like 365 days. There's a lot more. 7-1 to United. 7-1 to Fiorentina and the Coppa Italia. Uh, I'm going to start crying soon for all these uh, losses I'm bringing up. But uh, yeah, the point is I've been through a lot of this team. Uh, 
and nothing shocks me, and this didn't shock me at all. If you're a new Roma fan, then maybe it shocked you, but uh, at 31 up, uh, if you were confident we were going to win that game, then you must be delusional or a new fan because I had no confidence at any point in this match. Uh, I will say, though, I'm not going to be so pessimistic and negative because, you know, I feel like I'm pretty negative when it comes to Roma. Uh, the first 70 minutes, I thought we were the better team by far. Yeah, easily. Uh, played incredible football. Uh, probably the best football of the season, you know, except for the Atlanta game. I thought that was probably better. But um, I'm not just talking about the results. I'm talking about the way we played. And then a collapse, you know, the Roma special, they start calling it. It was a, a big collapse from a team that just looks so fragile mentally. Uh, you know, Cristante, like, I feel bad for this guy because, you know, he isn't a CDM at the end of the day. He's not a, a defensive mid, and he's playing there because we don't have a choice. We don't have a midfield. And, you know, we have guys like Dadabo who, you know, he's after a couple of nations now, but even before he wasn't getting much playing time. I think he should. I think he's a good player. Villar, who seems to be going to Getafe now, which is really annoying because I think he's a really good player and he didn't get playing time and he's also not a defensive mid at the same time. He's not someone who's going to the ball back at all. He's someone who's going to create and help bring it up and a smooth operator in midfield. But we need someone who's more rugged and more physical and that's what we're getting now, Sergio Oliveira, which is good to see. And, uh, yeah, it was just a very disappointing loss. I thought Tammy Abraham was brilliant. Um, you can't really say he didn't score in big games. Two against Atalanta, one against Milan, one against Juve now. He's doing it all. Pellegrini, uh, back from injury this past Thursday against Milan. Yeah, another defeat. And, uh, did great in that match. Got an assist today. Well, not today, yesterday, whatever it was, two days ago now. Uh, an assist and a goal. Pellegrini looked great. But I can count on one hand the amount of players who actually have quality on this team. Uh, Veratut, this guy's fallen. He fell off a cliff. He's not the same player anymore. He, I don't know if it's the way Mourinho wants to play, because last year, you can argue, he was a top three mid in the Serie A last year. It was incredible. And although he's still getting numbers, I think right now he's up there with assist leaders in the league. That doesn't really matter to me. I don't really care about the stats. He's not playing well at all. Uh, he's not, you know, he's not defending like the Goldie Bala scored. Where the hell was the defensive mids there? Santa Vita 2, nor to be found. Nibala's a wide open at the top of the box for a good, it felt like a good 10 minutes, but obviously yeah, a good like 10 seconds there, wide open, no one's covering him. Uh, people want to say, oh, the center backs, it's not the center backs problem, they're supposed to mark the guys inside the box, and they need the defensive mids to come back. It feels like a big disconnect between the defenders, like the back line, and the midfield. There's a huge disconnect between them. They don't work well together, and I think we're missing someone who can sit in front of the defense, play it out from the back, not panic under pressure, and I think Sergio Oliveira will definitely bring that for us, and I'm happy to have him. And then the, the Pellegrini miss, like, come on, people are people are ridiculous saying uh, he's not a leader, and he's this, and he missed a penalty. You've never seen Messi miss a penalty before? Uh, although the penalty was horrendous. It's probably one of the worst penalty attempts I've ever seen, and the rebounds are probably even more embarrassing. But at the same time, we wouldn't be in the league in the lead of the whole game. It wasn't for him. He scored the free kick, and he got the assist for the goal, so for uh, Mkhitaryan's goal. So, uh, yeah, just calm down this Pellegrini slander. He's probably one of the best Italian players we have right now, and uh, he's playing like it, and a penalty is not going to change my mind. You know, everyone misses penalties. And senior misses penalties. Everyone misses them. Like, everyone. It's a part of the sport. I'm not going to base my opinion on someone's performance because they missed a penalty. If he didn't get a goal and an assist and then he missed a penalty, then we're, it's a different conversation. But 
we're not in the lead without him, so how can I slander him for missing a penalty? And, uh, yeah, it's disappointing. And I'll talk about Juve now, too, because Perchez is not here, obviously. So, uh, Juve, there's a lot of problems for them. The midfield is terrible. Let's be honest. I think that's something we all know. To be, uh, I'll be completely honest. It's the, like, uh, I know I'm not trying to slander them, but whatever. Their team is just, it's not the, it's, it's not, not the Juve. Yeah, it's not the Juve, like, you remember a few years ago, you go, okay, now it's like, you like, okay, I'm scared of playing Juve. Like, it's always a tough game. Now, like, when you play Juve, you look at their lineup, it's like, these guys are beatable. beatable. Yeah, like, and it's just, it's weird. Like, it's just weird. And yeah, it's, it's very weird. Not to the see same that. team. Defensively, like, come on, Rugani starting. Like, uh, Rugani, uh, I've said him many times, I think he's the worst professional footballer I've ever seen, and uh, he lived up to that expectation. Um, Delit, who I think, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this. I think he's extremely overrated, and uh, yeah, he had a stinker of a game, and got a red card, uh, two handballs, which I'm not gonna get into the penalty discussion because that's not the reason we lost. We lost because of ourselves, but you know the refereeing for us has not been good this year, and uh, yeah, I think they're just a complete disaster. Chesney, you know, he gets a lot of hate, but he, this guy saves a penalty every time we play them. But uh, I think really their only Good players are Dybala, Chiesa, and Locatelli sometimes. Yeah. And obviously Benucci and whatever, but... Even yeah. uh, Locatelli, too, this season, I, to be honest, I think he's just been decent. Like, he hasn't been... Yeah, he's on Locatelli, Yeah, he hasn't been the Locatelli that we're used to seeing when he was with Sosolo, uh, the one in it, uh, that played for Italy. He's just been decent. There's some games he looks like he's the best player on the pitch, and there's some games he's one of the worst players on the pitch. Yeah. So they need they need him to step up, but also too they they can't play they can't win with three guys. They have to have the whole team play well, and they their team just doesn't play well. Like they they look out of sorts. Uh, they have a lot of I want to say this dead weight. I think Fetcher can agree with me if he was on here. And I think in the summer next season they just have to get rid of after team like literally they gotta get rid of like a lot of players or there's a few players that shouldn't be even playing for Juve. Yeah, a lot of dead weight. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, Juventus have a long way to go before, uh, you know, they uh, reach their Champions League aspirations like they've been talking about. Uh, they're very far off that. Weston McKinney should not be starting for Juventus. And he's not even a terrible player. He's probably one of the better midfielders they have right now, but that's saying something. If Weston McKinney is your go-to midfielder at the moment, uh, but also credit to them, you know. Uh, one thing that Juve has, no matter what the players, whatever they do have, the mentality to come back into a game. You know, they're, they're a team that's won before, and Roma are not a team that's won before. And we thought the game was done. We folded like like a lawn chair. We just completely collapsed, and uh, it was an embarrassing display. Uh, I can't say I'm shocked, but uh, you know, credit to Juventus. Although they don't have the talented players that you'd uh, you'd want for a team of their level. They still have the ambition and the uh, just the experience to really come back into a game like that. And credit to them, they did well. I feel like the game really changed when Morata and Artur came in. Um, I'm not sure how because I don't think Morata or Artur are good, are good players, but it really changed the whole dynamic of the game. I feel like Roma kind of threw in the white <laughs> the white towel. And as soon as Locatelli scored, I knew we were about to see something embarrassing. Uh, I felt it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It means Juve is a great team for coming back, or Roma just that bad, or maybe a little bit of both. I don't know what it was, but 
you know, incredible comeback from Juventus, uh, something they'll remember for a long time. Uh, credit to them. I think three goals in like seven minutes or something. I don't think yeah, I've ever seen that like before. It was like three and ten minutes or so. It was like I remember while I was watching the game, I look up, three two. I look up, like I was going on and off with uh, the NFL was on, so I was just watching that too. And I was like, what the hell is happening? Like it's crazy. Yeah, and it's yeah. You gotta get it's yeah, Roma. Give you your credit. Uh, and uh, you may disagree with me, but I was kind of surprised that they blew this lead a little bit. Um, obviously, three one up in. Most games, I want to say most games, it should be safe. Uh, especially because Mourinho, too, he's just uh, the, the caliber coach he is. He's just the type like, okay, if we want up, I think the game should be like mainly over. But then when Juve came back, I was just very surprised. Um, and I know like it's not the type of game you, you usually see from Syria. So very entertaining as a neutral thing. I even tweeted out. As well, uh, who said, uh, and people want to call Syria Borg. Uh, you really, th- these games are very fun games to watch if you're a neutral, but obviously, and so for you, it's hmm. very def- like it was very mad. I would, I think my TV would be broken if that happened to us. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, but I give you the credit, they came back, they found a way to win. Um, it sucks too now, which we'll probably tie into this after, uh, with Kiesa's injury, he seems to be out till. Maybe the next year, who knows? Uh, but very tough to see him uh, go down with that ACL tear. He's a very good player uh, for both the Azuri and for Juve. And you never like seeing anyone go down with ACL tears or any injuries, I should say. Um, especially young players like uh, Chiesa. Um, especially the way he plays with his speed. He takes on defenders. He's used to getting fouled a lot. Uh, and he's just a very explosive player. So... Hopefully we can we wish him a speedy and a safe recovery. Hopefully he has no setbacks and he can come, re- return uh, whenever the time um, uh, let's say time frame is given. Uh, so it was a very good game for Juve. Uh, they got the three points, but I was very surprised um, with Roma more more or less. But I was very impressed with the way Pellegrini played. Uh, even Abraham, he seems to be scoring goals for fun. He's been playing really well as of late. Uh, Pellegrini, it's Pellegrini. Like this guy is, I'll say this right now, he's a top five midfielder in Italy. When on his given day, he cre- can create, he can play from the back. He's just such an important player for Roma. Uh, and I feel like he could be an important player now, especially with Sergio Chiesa out uh, for the Azzurri as well. Yeah, and you know, like like Mourinho said after the game, um, he needs his players to really come to him and, you know, his level of mentality and mental strength and fortitude because these guys are all mentally weak. Uh, you know, as a fan, I shouldn't be, you know, with 20 minutes left, I shouldn't be nervous about, you know, Juventus coming back. And I know they're Juventus at the end of the day, no matter who they have on the field. But at the same time, 3-1 up, the game should be done, like you said, Dan. And as a fan, I should be confident, but I wasn't. I knew... I'm not going to say, oh, I knew before three, but, you know, I knew the game wasn't done. I knew it wasn't a foregone conclusion that the game was over and we won. Uh, and you saw my group chat. I was never confident. We were up 3-1. One of my friends was uh, being very uh, cocky, who was also a Roma fan. And I said, just please be quiet. It's not done at all. And, uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate for Roma, but, yeah, big win for you, Ben. Uh, congrats to all the fans that deserve to come back and uh, enjoy it. And, yeah, Kiesa, like you mentioned, Dan, uh, very unfortunate to lose a player like that for not only Juventus, but for Italy. A very talented player who 
had a great Euro. Obviously, this season, said, yeah, he's been off, like, you know, form-wise and similar to Insigne, even physically, he hasn't been 100% since the Euros. I think a lot of players from that Euro Cup run haven't been the same just because the amount of football they had to play, you know, from last season to the Euros and Nations League and all that, uh, it's very tough. And they all need a nice vacation this upcoming summer before the World Cup. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I knew it happened right away. You know, I, I'm, as a Roma fan, I've seen a lot of ACL tears. I knew it twice, put Enzi twice, Karsdorp, but I can go all day. Luca Pellegrini, I've seen a bunch of ACL tears and I know when I see one. And in our group chat, I said, that's definitely an ACL tear. For Chad, for some reason, thought he twisted his ankle, which I don't even know what that, uh, we all know for Chad. He's not, a. Uh, he's a funny guy with his, uh, his opinions, but, uh, yeah, I knew it was an ACL tear immediately. And when I saw him go back in the game, I'm like, why are they doing this, man? Like, I know Kaz is a tough guy and he wants to keep playing, but it's not worth it, man. Like, and I guess he thought he can handle it and he went to go turn when I forgot who played it, uh, long for him, but someone played a, a ball going forward and he went to go turn past Maitland Niles and he just collapsed. Like, no one even touched him. He just went down and, I think for that moment, he knew it was a really bad injury, and it took him like 10 minutes to just walk around the pitch into the tunnel. Uh, I saw fans clapping for him, which is great to see, and uh, yeah, it's unfortunate news. Hopefully, he has a speedy recovery, and he's back to his, his old self. If I'm kids, what I'd do is probably put on a lot of muscle, because after an injury like this, you want muscle to you know take more contact, kind of like what Zaniolo did. If you look at a picture of Zaniolo in 2019 and now, it's like a completely different person. This guy put on like 20, 30 pounds of muscle, I think I saw a report. And he looks huge now. And I think he leads the league and fouls one Zaniolo because this guy is always getting fouled. And, uh, yeah, if I was Kiaz, I'd put on a lot more muscle. And, uh, you know, he could stand the contact a little bit more. But at the same time, an injury like that just, it happens. You know, you can't really control it. And, uh, you know, me and Dan, and obviously for Chen and everyone, we just hope that he's uh, back to his old self and first and foremost just recovers, you know, rest and, uh, you know, it gets better soon. Yeah, we're going to miss him, and I was very sad to see him go down. So, yeah, prayers up to Keza and uh, Forza Federico. Yeah. Now, to end off the pod, we got a game tomorrow for us, and, well, I'll drop the pod the same day. So, yeah, tomorrow. Supercopa, it's uh, it's a big game. I know Supercopa kind of gets laughed at. You know, it's usually played in Saudi Arabia or something for money. It's really just a money trophy to get a, a different fan base. But this is kind of more like a, a Coppa Italia final. You know, it's being played in Italy at the San Siro. And uh, it's always good to win silverware. You know, you're not going to turn down a chance yeah. to win a trophy. And uh, Inter, I believe, they aren't missing anyone. Due to suspension, but I think, well, I know Juventus is missing Cuadrado into it, uh, which and, I think uh, is stupid. Yeah, no, that's stupid. And now apparently, too, uh, Chesney might be out, too. I think he might have a little dock or wow. something. I, I just read that he might be out. Yeah, so Juventus is very shorthanded. And I think it's stupid how suspension from Serie A carries over to a final. Like, I always believe that a final should have all the best players available to see which team really is the best. Yeah. I don't agree with. And especially a league match to a, a league cup final, like I don't know. To me, just they shouldn't, you know, For go me, hand I in think, hand. I think this is what I think. Syria should have nothing to do with the Coppa Italia and Supercoppa. Yeah. I think if you get a red card in 
the uh, the semifinals of, say, the Coppa Italia, then obviously you should miss the finals. But after that finals, the game should be it should be wiped unless you get a, a re- straight red in the Copa. But even in the Copa too, I think that you should just be suspended for the league. That's it. Uh, but like you said, Ed, but uh, like cards should be wiped. Uh, no suspensions should happen. Um, just best team wins. That's it. No, oh, we lost because we didn't have this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. No, nope, best team wins in the finals. Yeah, I think it kind of ruins the whole uh, no mystique around it and the whole you know excitement. As you were fan, you're going in shorthanded. Um, Inter are definitely favorites going into it. A better form, better team. You know, more guys available. But like I said, Juve is Juve, and they always find a way. Um, I'm hoping for an exciting game. Then any predictions going into it? I think it's their wins. Uh, I think it's their wins, it, and I, I think it'll be in the ninety, like inside the ninety, that they win the the match. Wow. Yeah, I think that's a, a standard uh, prediction. For a second, I thought you said a ninety-minute winner, but yeah, inside the ninety, yeah. I agree. Uh, I'm with you there. I think Inter's going to win it. Especially Juve, I think they use a lot of energy to beat Roma, so they're going to be more tired than Inter is. Um, Inter played hard against Lazio as well, but I feel like that, that Roma-Juve game, that pace of it was just incredible. I think uh, they're going to be tired, they're short-handed, and uh, Inter are definitely coming in confident. So I'm just hoping for a good match. I really don't care who wins as a neutral, but obviously Juve or Inter fan, you're going to want your team to win. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a good match. I'd like penalties. That would be pretty cool to see if that yeah, happens. Cool. I remember the year we won uh, our last Super Copa uh, against Juve in penalties. I was, I still talk about this to to this day with a few family members and some friends as well. And that game was probably like I know it's not as big as say winning the Copa Italia, winning uh, the Scudetto, uh, but that game was one of the biggest games I've ever witnessed in my life uh, as a Napoli fan and as a like in soccer wise that's one of the biggest games I've ever witnessed in my life and just because it, it was a penalty shootout it was dramatic uh, it was uh, dramatic uh, so so uh, you know what I wouldn't be surprised if this game goes to penalties but I think Inter will find a way to win in the 90 like in the 90th minute yeah I agree and yeah obviously we wish I had for chat here to break it down I'm sure he'd had some he'd have some words for uh, the Inter fans both of but, us yeah. <laughs> and both of us too and both of us as well but we'll have his reaction uh, next week. I'm sure we'll get a text when he uh, listens to this podcast saying how we're uh, stupid for picking Inter. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, next week we'll have him hopefully and uh, we can have his reaction on the whole thing and everything that happened. And, uh, yeah, I say we bring this pod to an end here then. Uh, we had a lot to cover and it was a fun podcast. I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, I don't, is there any big match this weekend in Serie that uh, uh, I'll double to? check right now, but I believe, I believe not. I could be wrong. Exactly right here. There is Juventus Udinese, which isn't really a crazy match. Atalanta Inter, that's going to be a good one. Yeah, Atalanta Inter. And, uh. That's where Scarlady. Uh. Maybe, yeah. Swasola Verona the, could be a decent match. Napoli Bologna looks good. And, uh, I think January 17th. Yeah, there's some good matches yeah. to look forward to. You know I'm what? I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. That Juve Juve Udinese match, I can see an upset happening. I just I just Me feel too. like an upset could happen. And Udinese always seem to either tie or beat Juventus in some dramatic fashion. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked. I think was it Okaka last year who just like embarrassed of it so. and then scored. Or it was Fofana maybe a couple oh, of years ago. Oh yeah, Fofana. Yeah, Fofana. Yeah. 
there was that. Or even um, DeMaio scoring a header off a corner, I think it was. Yeah. To upset I Juventus. See, I, could, I could see that, that game ending in an upset. I don't know, something about that game. I, I, I could smell an upset coming. Yeah, especially because they'll be tired, Juventus, because, you know, they got to play Inter. And, uh, yeah, you never know. Said, yeah, there's no bad match this year. I think any team no. can beat any team on any given day. So, uh, and we keep seeing examples of every week. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a good game tomorrow, this weekend. And, uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. If you want to interact with us on social media, it's at six at culture on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, go check out the Napoli club. Some great content. Uh, obviously if you want to follow Insigne a little bit more closely when he comes to Toronto, uh, make sure to give them a follow. I'm sure they'll, like Dan said, maybe get some collab with him in some kind of way. And, hopefully. uh, we're just hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they'll be at the game and some videos will be there for that. And I'm sure I'll come over to, uh, you know, how I don't want to say the Kurva, but they'll come over to the Napoli Club section. Cool. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Kurva in quotes. Yeah, in quotes. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you for listening. Ciao. Ciao, guys.